Welcome to the Cello Sherpa Podcast, where we explore all aspects of the climb to the summit from intermediate musician to the professional stage. Check us out online at thecellosherpa.com or follow us on Instagram or threads at thecellosherpa. I'm Joel Dallow, your host. I joined the cello section of the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra in 1999 and founded the Riverside Chamber Players based in Roswell, Georgia in 2003. If you're looking for a bit of extra help on learning your orchestra or solo repertoire, perhaps we can help. Visit www.thecellosherpa.com and drop us a line. We offer virtual or in-person lessons. Today's episode is sponsored by Clear Resources, your premier resource for compliance, legal, ethics, and risk. For more information, visit them online at clearresources.com. Today's guests are oboist Master Gunnery Sergeant Leslie Barrett and clarinetist Master Gunnery Sergeant Michelle Orzinikok. We were all students at the Interlochen Arts Academy together for high school, and in honor of Veterans Day, I wanted to bring them on to talk about their positions in the President's Own Marine Band. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Cello Sherpa podcast. Hi, Joel. Thank you so much for having us. It's an honor to be here with you today. Yes, I reiterate what Leslie just said. Thank you so much, and thank you for taking an interest in the President's Own United States Marine Band. It's a very unique job for musicians that both Leslie and I are very grateful to have and love very much. Awesome. You're welcome. Glad to have you. So the Marine Band is America's oldest continuously active professional musical organization. Founded in 1798, the band has performed for every U.S. president since John Adams. Known as the President's Own since the days of Thomas Jefferson, the Marine Band's mission is to provide music for the President of the United States and the Commandant of the Marine Corps. What an amazing history. Leslie, can you talk about what led to you landing a spot in the President's Own Marine Band? Absolutely. So as an oboist, when we go to college and we look ahead at our jobs, we tend to target orchestras as our goal to play in an orchestra because that's what we know. There are plenty more of them than professional bands. But I was familiar with the President's Own. It wasn't really on my list, but my husband was in class at Arizona State where a recruiter came in to talk about options for careers within military music. And he mentioned the President's Own. And so Andreas, my husband, called the office at the President's Own and said, do you have any viola openings, which was his instrument? And they said, you know, we don't have anything coming up for viola, but in a few weeks we have an oboe audition. And Andreas was like, oh, his ears perked up. Why don't you send us that information? And so it was really just a whim. I was in that process of taking auditions, trying to get comfortable with auditions as you do when you're doing your master's degree. And it just happened to fall in place and worked out. So I ended up here. So you had just a few weeks to prepare for that audition? I did, but I was, as I said, I was in the audition circuit at the time. And the band's audition list is very similar to an orchestra list. There's a few additions that are band specific, Mm -hmm. but I played Tombow. I played La Scala. I played some of the major excerpts that any oboist prepares for all the auditions. So it wasn't so out of the realm to get ready for it. Oh, okay. And then Michelle, how did you end up in the same band? (laughs) Well, my path was just a little bit different from Leslie's in that as a clarinet player, 
Growing up in Texas, I was very much aware of the premier bands, of all of the service bands mm-hmm. from the time I was in middle school. And it was actually always my dream to be a member of the President's Own. My band director probably had one of the Marine Band's calendars up in the band hall from the time I started playing the clarinet in sixth grade. So the Marine Band in particular, but the service bands in general were always on my radar. Okay. When came time to audition, I was, of course, auditioning for orchestras and bands alike. And... I heard the Marine Band for the first time, actually, at Interlochen in the summer in 1987. I still have the program from that concert. Oh, cool. And the clarinetist, who was the principal clarinetist, hired me in the year 2000, was Lisa Kadala, And she was actually on that concert oh, wow. in 1987. So <laughs> it was kind of a very cool full circle moment when I joined the band. But much like... Every other musician on the planet, I took a whole bunch of auditions. And at the time that I won my Marine Band audition, I had been advancing in some smaller auditions and won another position in a different fleet band in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. But the Marine Band job was by far the best job that I won. And of course, since it had always been my dream, I took the job in a heartbeat. I was very excited. Did you both play in band at Interlochen also? So I grew up in a small town in Missouri, and all we had was a band. There was no orchestra. It was just band. And I was the only oboist growing up through my whole junior high and the first two years of high school. So I was the, you know, the huge fish in a tiny pond situation where I didn't have to be that good, but I was fine. And I also played piano and voice. And so my musicianship carried me through. So I was fine on the oboe. And then I got up to Interlochen and the first four oboes, I think, make it into the orchestra. Mm -hmm. And then you start in the band after that. I was ninth of 13. And that was such a shock. And I got really mad. So I did love playing in the band at Interlochen. Actually, I have a lot of really great memories working with Ed Downing. And obviously, when you have a bunch of oboes like that in a band, you're going to have a lot of fun. But I did make it my goal to move up to the orchestra before I graduated. So that was my trajectory there. But I did spend a year in the band first. Did you find that that helped prepare you at all for the job you're doing or was it very different? I did not find that. I think we should get into that a little later, how very different this job is from anything else that I had done before this. But I didn't notice back then. And maybe I just wasn't developmentally ready to notice the differences between playing in the band and playing in the orchestra. How about you, Michelle? I don't remember where you were at Interlochen either. At Interlochen, both in the summer and at the academy, I only played in orchestras. Okay. So basically the bulk of my orchestral experience comes from the time when I was 15 to 18 years old at Interlochen. Uh After that, I went to the Eastman School of Music and the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And at Eastman, of course, there's the heavy wind ensemble tradition. And at Michigan, there's the symphony band tradition. So I went to schools with robust wind ensemble and concert band traditions. And at both of those schools, you did some rotating between both. Yeah. So the intensity of my orchestral experience and the bulk of the repertoire I actually learned in high school. 
And I got the bulk of my band experience from my bands in Texas, which were amazing. Uh-huh. And then again, once I got to undergrad and grad school. Okay. And then when you get into the president's own, do you have to attend boot camp? I'll take this one. No, we don't. So the president's own is a very unique job. And we come to the president's own already trained to fulfill our mission, which, as you stated earlier, is to provide music for the president of the United States and the commandant of the Marine Corps. Okay. So the members of the president's own are a highly educated group of musicians. 99% of us have bachelor's degrees, over 50% have master's degrees, and about 15 to 20% have doctorates in music. Uh Uh-huh. So- We come already prepared to do our job. When we get to Marine Barracks, when you win the job and report to Marine Barracks, you have about a month to a month and a half of military training, how to wear the uniform, who and when to salute, how to behave at the White House, at the Commandant's house, because we are present for pretty much every high-profile event in Washington, D.C. Yeah. So you do have to know how to carry yourself as an enlisted Marine, but we get all of that training by the assistant drum major and the drum major of the Marine band once we report to Marine Barracks. Okay. So Leslie, how many bands are there in the Marines? Oh, in the full Marine Corps? Yes. There are 10 fleet bands in the Marine Corps, and then there's the President's Own and the Drum and Bugle Corps, both stationed right here in Washington, D.C. Okay. So the president's own is really literally only one band. <laughs> so, Correct. Okay. And it's called that because of what I was talking about earlier, what the specific duties entail. Yes. And also just to expand on that a little bit, President Thomas Jefferson actually gave us our name, the president's own. So he himself was a amateur musician mm-hmm. and appreciated the connection between the Marine Band and the White House. So he gave us that name. Okay. Is it considered the most elite of the bands then, or is it just the role that's spelled out that way? It's just the role that's spelled out that way. Because one would think, listening to it, that if it's called the president's own, that's the one you'd want to be in. (laughs) That's not a fair question to ask us. (laughs) In all fairness, it was the one I wanted to be in. And of course, it has that incredible reputation But the other premier bands for the other services are also very similar jobs to the one we do. And they also play at the White House, not quite as much as we do, go on tour. The jobs are very similar. And full disclosure, if I had gotten into the Navy band before I got into the Marine band, I would have definitely taken that job. But there is one major difference, and that is the members of those premier bands do go to boot camp. Right. So that's unique to the president's own because of our very unique mission with absolutely no secondary mission that includes the fleet Marine Corps. Okay. So I guess that is a big difference when you're giving your military service in that way is that you're not being moved every two years like a lot of families are. And your role is specifically playing music. So it's not expected that at some point they'll call you up and ask you to go serve on the front lines somewhere with your instrument. Correct. Okay, (laughs) that's good. (laughs) And to be fair, the other premier bands also don't get asked to serve on the front lines, but they do get secondary duties, not combat generally. I don't know of a band that has gone into combat. Okay, so what kind of secondary duties would some of those band members have? It totally depends on the situation. The only one specifically that I can remember 
years ago when we had a lot of troops sent out to various places, there were some band members that were checking IDs at facilities, I think, and maybe there were band members that were doing some of the cleanup situations. Michelle, do you know any specifics? No, no specifics because we were not involved in that. So then let's talk about what a week looks like. A day in the life and then a week in the life of rehearsals and what it's like, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be interested to hear how it's the same or different than what a regular orchestra job is like. We have a very different job from an orchestra or any other situation that I know of. We work 52 weeks a year, first of all, Mm -hmm. together. So if I don't see somebody in a week all year long, it's the only reason I wouldn't see them is because we're on vacation or our jobs don't line up together that week. But we work 365 days a year and we do a very wide variety of jobs. So in addition to playing concerts, which we do and we love and we have concert seasons, um, indoor concert season in the spring, outdoor concert season in the summer, tour concert season in the fall. In addition to the concerts, we march funerals at Arlington Cemetery. We do state funerals when a president passes. We play arrival ceremonies when diplomats come to the United States to visit. We play state dinners when we have someone come to visit the White House. We play all sorts of jobs in and around Washington, D.C., in various needs to support the commandant's missions or the president's missions. And I forgot the question now, so I'm handing it over to Michelle. So I can expound a little bit on some of the commitments that the Marine Band does that are drastically different from a member of an orchestra in the civilian world. First of all, the Marine Band is made up of about 150 musicians, and that includes a chamber orchestra and a whole bunch of wind players, obviously. You wouldn't necessarily know from the name, the president's own United States Marine Band, that we do have a full chamber orchestra but they are a very integral part of the Marine Band, in particular at the White House for the state dinners that Leslie mentioned and string ensembles and things like that. So we will do at the White House approximately 350 jobs per year. Hmm. And the Marine Band as a total, approximately 900 jobs or commitments per year. We use the word jobs in the Marine Band, it's commitments. Yeah. So that's vastly different from an orchestra where you have rehearsal during the week and then your concerts on whatever nights that orchestra has, it's very predictable. Our job is very unpredictable for the most part. So at the White House, as Leslie mentioned, there's state dinners. Sometimes there's a harp and flute in the private residence or a pianist. The Marine Band can provide whatever the White House or the Commandant wants. Uh We have a lot of very versatile musicians in the Marine Band. We provide everything from klezmer ensemble to... Dixieland band, dance band, orchestra, concert band, as one of 26 clarinet players wow. and not someone who's principal or assistant principal. I don't actually play indoors at the White House very much, but I do play on the balcony and outdoors quite a bit okay. for big bill signing ceremonies. One of my most memorable jobs in the Marine Band was when Pope John Paul came to the U.S., And we did a big White House arrival for that. And there was actually a lawn band for that. And it was absolutely incredible. George Bush was president, the younger Mm -hmm. one. And he was on a podium with the Pope. And they were like maybe 20 feet in front of us. It was incredible. 
I think Leslie, yeah. where you were probably on that job too. It was so incredible. We do things like that. Full honors funerals at Arlington National Cemetery. I actually will be marching one of those this afternoon. It's absolutely one of the most impactful things that we do. It means the world to the families who are impacted. And it's a really beautiful ceremony. In addition, there are honor flights that come to Washington, D.C. So what those are, there's a nonprofit honor flight. They are trying to bring all of the World War II veterans to Washington, D.C. to see the World War II memorial before they pass. Mm. So we'll send a vocalist to sing the national anthem, a trumpet player to play taps, and there's a color guard there. And that is one of those jobs where the trumpet player and the vocalist can really interact yeah. with the veterans. You know, at a full honors funeral at Arlington, that's a ceremony. So we're separate from the family and they don't get to interact with us one-on-one. But at some of our commitments, we do get to interact with veterans and audience members. Tours amazing for that to occasionally get to interact with veterans across the country. We get a little jaded here in Washington, D.C. There's so much patriotic stuff going on. But when you're out in the Midwest, in Omaha, Nebraska, you reach a very different set of the population that don't get that every day. And I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It's very impactful. And it's the most amazing thing about being in the Marine Band is to be part of something much bigger than yourself. 200 plus year history, you really do feel that you're representing the Marine Corps in the United States and the sacrifices that members of the Marine Corps and the military at large have made over the centuries to get us where we are today. So it sounds then like your schedule is not a normal nine to five, much like a symphony job in that way. So how do you know each week, some weeks you might have to work, it sounds like at night? If it's a dinner or state dinner or something like that, or some other special event, they're not all happening during business hours. So how do they work your schedule so you know where you need to be and when? Because it doesn't sound like all of you are together all the time either. You're doing different things. Each section has a section leader who assigns which players will play which jobs that come up. We look 10 days, two weeks out Mm -hmm. and we'll know, oh, here's a White House coming up and it needs a chamber orchestra or here's a White House band and it needs a lawn size band, or here's a parade band we need. So the section leaders say, here are the people I have available this week to do this job that are not currently on a different job, and they assign them. And then we communicate that to our sections so that you know what job you're on. And then once a week, we all get together who aren't all out on other commitments, and someone from our operations office will read down the list of jobs and announce who's on each one. And you say, yes, I understand I'm on that job. So they have to make sure because it is so varied and you don't have a way to rely on knowing what you're going to do very far ahead. They do have to make sure you know where you're going and everybody's in, you know, on board with that. And this is one of those organizations that I say that there are only three organizations that I know of that are so good at these details. There's Pixar. Gosh, they're good. There's the early Marvel (laughs) movies. They tie everything together. Those details are amazing. And there's the President's Marine Band. And we are so good at doing what we need to do exactly the way we need to do it, covering all of the details. And everybody is where they need to be all the time. It's amazing. That is amazing. I know that in an orchestra, we typically don't have a normal 40-hour work week. 
because we also are expected to practice and do the things on our own to be prepared. So how many hours would you say you're committed to rehearsals and dinners and concerts and all of those kinds of things? So our schedule is seasonal, first of all, as far as concerts go. As Leslie mentioned before, right now, obviously, the tour band will be doing 29 concerts in 31 days. And they rehearsed for two and a half weeks straight before that, a three-hour rehearsal every day, Monday through Friday, getting ready for tour. Mm -hmm. In general, for our winter-spring concert season, which goes from January until May, we have two band concerts, an orchestra concert, and a chamber concert every month, roughly. Mm -hmm. For a band concert, we'll rehearse four days, two-and-a-half-hour rehearsals, Tuesday through Friday, and our concerts are Sunday afternoon. It's the same for an orchestra concert. Chamber music concerts set their own rehearsal schedules in between the other jobs that we do. For our summer concerts, we have two concerts a week, and we have two rehearsals of about two hours for those. They're about an hour long, much lighter program for the most part, that kind of thing. We do not rehearse for a lot of jobs. That's why sight reading is part of our audition. (laughs) Wow. We have the White House Garden Tours coming up next weekend, And we will have one 45-minute rehearsal to touch on a couple of starts, stops, talk through the plan, and then we will go to the White House balcony and play for three or four hours out of a book of music this thick Yeah, and marches and some pretty hard music. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you get to know the book. It's your responsibility to... Be prepared for that. And you also really need some sight reading chops. Yeah. Gets you out of a lot of sticky situations. (laughs) That's sort of the seasonal aspect of the job. And then sometimes we have stretches where we work 14 days straight. Okay. And then sometimes we'll have a week that's really light. And then you have to be very flexible in your preparation and plan ahead. If you know you have a really hard concert coming up, but you have two really busy weeks of work leading up to it. Yeah. You got to start practicing for that. Yeah. Same here. (laughs) Much sooner than you would kind of think you need to, if you weren't pounding your chops into oblivion for 14 days leading up to that first rehearsal. So it's tricky. It can be hard on our families because unlike orchestral musicians who almost never have to get up early in the morning, we often have jobs at like, Literally zero dark 30. I mean, we are getting up in the middle of the night reporting to work. Inauguration is a famous one for that. We basically work 24 hours straight. Yeah. Of course, that's only once every four years, but stuff comes up like that. Yeah. The Marine Orchestra plays almost every year at the UN Gala in New York. That bus leaves at 3.30 in the morning and it takes hours to get through security. (laughs) And then you're locked in a room for two hours leading up to the job and then boom, You are front and center expected to perform at the highest level for hours. Yeah. And then you get home at two o'clock in the morning. Wow. I have a hard time making it to rehearsal at 10 a.m. So that's the earliest usually that we start. (laughs) It takes some getting used to. And sometimes you just have to set three alarms and power through. (laughs) Yeah. So how does time off work then? If you take time off, where do the subs come from? Because normally in the civilian world, obviously we have a sub list of people, but it has to be very specific subs to replace you guys. 
We don't have subs. That's not something the Marine Band is allowed to do. But we do have, as Michelle mentioned, 150 players from which to draw for each job. We don't ever all play the same job. The closest we get is to march the inaugural parade. And even that doesn't use all of us. Okay. So in my section, for instance, there are four oboe players. Most concerts use three. So we have one person kind of left Mm -hmm. to take a White House orchestra that comes in or to take whatever other job might surprise us during the time the three of us are playing. But aside from that, if there's a situation where we need more people than we have, we don't really have mechanisms in place for that. That's not what we do. Our jobs are situated around who we have available to do them, and we make it work. Yeah, and how much time off do you get? So we have leave. Just like everyone else in the military, we earn two and a half days of leave every month. So we have approximately 30 days of leave a year. And in the Marine Band, there are chunks of time that are no leave periods where nobody can go on vacation. And that's when the band is on tour. Mm -hmm. None of the other wind players that are home can go on vacation because we need every single body to fulfill our commitments back home. But... Certain times of the year, you can take vacation just like a normal person, let's say, in an office job. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, we have 26 clarinet players. (laughs) So every section has their quota of how many people are allowed to be on leave at any given time. In the clarinet section, it's generally six people. Okay. And then we have just enough people to cover almost the worst case scenario. (laughs) Obviously, in Leslie's section, and she's been section leader almost her whole career, with only four people, they have less flexibility. Yeah. And she really has to work around the band and orchestra schedule more than the clarinet section does to make sure that they can fulfill their commitments. Yeah, that makes so sense. So it's section-based, schedule-based, but we do have vacation days that we just take. Yeah. So you talked about the different time periods and the way that the schedule lays out over 52 weeks. Do each of you have a favorite time period that you like more than others? Because, I mean, for example, I don't like playing outside. I'd have a really hard time. And I've seen the uniform that you wear. It must be really hot and uncomfortable to play outside. So that would be up there as my least favorite. I'm curious how you feel about (laughs) the different tasks and times of year. I'll go first on this one because Leslie and I have very different jobs when it comes to this. So as a clarinet player, we do all of the ceremonial jobs as well as the concerts. Uh The oboe players do almost no ceremonial jobs, but every single concert. So there's a little bit of difference there. And my least favorite thing to do are the outdoor ceremonies in the summer. As you can imagine we have Friday night parades every Friday night, starting at the very end of April through the end of August. And we have a morning rehearsal for that. And then the evening parade, it's a military parade, not a street parade mm-hmm. that starts at 8:43 PM on Friday night, 8:43. pretty much all weather, even though it's not supposed to happen when it rains, it usually still does. And Washington DC is a super hot humid swamp town in the summer. Yep. And if I never had to march a Friday night parade again, I would stay in the Marine band until I was 80 years old (laughs) if they'd let me. (laughs) So in all seriousness though, the Friday night parades are incredible to come watch. Mm -hmm. And there is an aspect about it that I get really excited for and think is really fun. 
but they are extremely physically draining, demanding, and uncomfortable. Yeah, I bet. Those two things are juxtaposed a lot in our job, not just indoors and outdoors, but also the length of some of the performances that we do, which I think Leslie can speak to more, some of the really long jobs they do at the White House indoors and stuff like that. I would say for me, the favorite season that I have rotates with whatever season we're in. Because as Michelle insinuated, there are good and bad things about every season that we are in and every kind of job we do. And even for me, the cold is worse than the heat because my fingers just freeze up. There was one time playing a garden tour. It wasn't even as cold as some of our other jobs. The oboe fell out of my hands onto Oof. the ground. <laughs> and I thought, well, this isn't okay. But even in those moments when I know my body's really struggling to physically do the job, there's still such beauty in it. And you still see, I mean, we don't do it in a vacuum. We do it with people appreciating what it is we're there to do and to be part of those historic moments or to be part of seeing people's faces light up when they hear us or to be part of seeing those veterans stand up out of their wheelchairs with tears streaming down their faces when we play the patriotic songs at the end of a long concert. Just everything we do has this beautiful upside to it that makes every season my favorite when I'm in it a little bit. I mean, going on tour right now, I'm gone from my family for over a month. And I'll be playing 29 concerts in 31 days, 29 different cities. It's a physically demanding situation. Yeah. And being away from home is, you know, not the best part of it for me. But also every night, those concerts, every night. And I've been in the band for 26 years. But every concert tour I've ever played, they're moving. Mm -hmm. They touch so many people and that's why we do it. And to say that I've sat at the White House and watched these major dignitaries eating dinner or making jokes or dancing, it's surreal. It's a strange job we have, but it's so rewarding and it's so fascinating. I love being the fly on the wall for these kinds of events and, you know, not having to be part of it, but still being part of it. Yeah. I think you've both described what's kept you in? Because I assume when you first sign up, it's a four-year commitment, right? That's correct. So that means don't bother taking auditions for anything else because you're committed for, for four years. Also correct. But you've been in Leslie since 1997 and Michelle since 2000. So obviously you're getting the satisfaction that you're looking for in your career and have continued to sign on. Every time you extend, is it another extension of four years? Is that how it works? It can be two or four years. It used to be able to also be a six-year extension, but I'm not sure that that's possible anymore. So it's definitely, you agree to do it for a length of time each time you do it. And when I first got in, I didn't know how I would feel playing the oboe in a band. And I thought, well, it's four years. That's a really big commitment, not knowing how it's going to go for me, but maybe it'll just be this lovely paid education. And then I'll Mm -hmm. go take orchestra auditions. And that was my plan. But it's been 26 years. And I think part of what I love, part of what keeps me here is the variety, is that we're not playing the same orchestral sound, the same literature, the same locations. I mean, there's so much variation in what we do and how we do it, that I'm constantly engaged. I'm constantly challenged. I'm constantly having to be a better player to meet these challenges. And I really like that. And is it 
mandatory retirement at 65? No, it's drastically different than the civilian world. So in the Marine Band, you can stay for a maximum of 30 years. Oh, okay. So depending on how old you are when you get in, add 30, and that's your cap. And that depends also on what rank you achieve. So the members of the Marine Band join as an E6, which is enlisted level six staff sergeant. And the enlisted ranks of the military go up to E9. Okay. So in the Marine Corps, that's staff sergeant, gunnery sergeant, master sergeant, master gunnery sergeant. If you achieve making it to E9, then you can stay up to 30 years as long as you continue to perform well. I mean, just like in the civilian world, we have performance reviews every year. Mm -hmm. In the Marine Corps, they're called fitness reports, but it's the same thing. We are evaluated every year and and stay up to 30 years. So it is a little bit of an artificial cap. So you definitely have to plan your future after the Marine Band a little bit differently than if you're in the civilian world, because you know you're not going to be able to stay past 30 years. Yeah, that's interesting. So what kinds of plans have you put in place? Because you're both getting closer to that. (laughs) Well, Joel, do you have a job for us? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, no. (laughs) That is the big question. Yeah. Yeah, it's very difficult to know what to do next because I'm trained for one thing and I do it great. And I have a lot of soft skills that I've learned in the Marine Corps, like, so many things we learned here that would translate so beautifully into other positions, but I have not learned how to make that work on a resume yet. I have not learned which hard skills I need to be able to translate that over somewhere else. So that's part of my exploration process. I mean, you said I've been in 26 years, maximum I have under four years left. Mm -hmm. So it's time to start examining that very question. And I don't know the answer to it. Interesting. Okay. Yes. And I think in general, for members of the Marine Band, most people stay 20 to 30 years Mm -hmm. because it's a really good job and all the things we've talked about. What people do afterwards really varies. I mean, we've had people go on to take other auditions and win jobs in huge jobs. Mm. And then we have people that completely stop playing their instrument and go get an MBA and go into the corporate world. Yeah. All different things. Some people stay locally and do gigs and teach lessons. And it just really depends on what you want to do. For me personally, what I thought I would want to do after the Marine Band has changed a lot over the last 23 years. Your life goes in directions you don't necessarily expect it to. And so for me, I'm trying to keep my options open, but just to get a little more specific, I would like to work somehow in like an operations direction, more of like the behind the scenes type of things, either for an arts organization or a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the thing that I would like to do. Well, and even though we don't have secondary duties, like some of the other bands, they have to do admin or public affairs or whatever, they have that attached to their job. We don't have that, but many of us volunteer to do certain things that come up that need to be done. And Michelle has for years been one of our tour coordinators who helps plan the tour that I'm on right now, the concert tours. And so that operations piece that you're talking about fits very well 
into what she's already been doing as a member of the band. Well, we're always looking for more arts administrators in the symphony world. So I'm sure that's an option for you, too. (laughs) That's good to know. (laughs) Is there anything else we might have missed that you'd like to share? There is. So we talked about how when you play in an orchestra and you play in a band, it's different. You asked if I noticed a difference at Interlochen, and I did not. But in the Marine Band, for the oboe, I'm sure it's different for the other instruments as well. And Michelle can talk about that for clarinet. But it's a very different beast musically playing in a band than playing in the orchestra. The orchestra is written when a composer writes for the oboe in an orchestral piece, they want to hear the oboe. They want to hear the sound of the oboe. It's idiomatic. And if it's not idiomatic, it's at least designed to sound a certain way within the texture and the overtones. In the band, it gets a little more muddled. You're trying to play with the saxophone and the euphonium and maybe the piccolo And they're all spread all over this huge ensemble. You're not near each other like an orchestra that has the clarinet and the oboe and the flute and the bassoon tight together in a square. You're spread really far apart and you're trying to blend with these unusual sounding instruments. And sometimes you're not even playing a part that was written for an oboe. You're playing a transcription of something and you're playing somebody else's part on the oboe. So I find that in the band, I have to be able to play much softer than I ever do in the orchestra. And I have to be able to come out of the texture in a way that is, I don't want to say louder, but I guess I'll say more resonant than I have to in the orchestra. Mm -hmm. And it's not always idiomatic. So my range for volume, for tone color, for articulation styles, it has all had to expand exponentially Mm -hmm. playing in the band. And when I go sit in the orchestra again, it's like, (sighs) I'm just playing the (laughs) album. How about you, Michelle? So I can speak to this from two different perspectives. For many, many years, I was only playing E-flat clarinet in the concert band. And when you play E-flat clarinet in an orchestra, it is for one purpose only, and that is to play a solo in a specific character. Usually the E-flat clarinet is the witch (laughs) or the jokester or something like that. But in the concert band, my job is... 99% of the time to blend with the flutes, piccolos, and oboes, and principal cornet to mimic the sound of a violin section in a transcription or things like that. So different. When I started playing E-flat clarinet in the Marine Band, I had to change my whole setup and style of playing, and it was a huge, huge learning curve. And I have a feeling it's like that on many of the auxiliary instruments, bass, clarinet, English horn, anything. It's just so different than playing in an orchestra. Plus, to top it off, playing E-flat clarinet is extremely taxing on your embouchure. And in an orchestra, you play it for like 20 minutes once a month. And everybody can hear every note you play. And then you put it away. True. But in the band, you play almost every single piece of a two-hour-plus concert. It's crazy. It's so different. So that was really very, very interesting. And then on the flip side, as a member of a clarinet section of 18 to 26 people, again, 99% of the time, you're going to be playing second clarinet or third clarinet with four to six other people. And so first of all, your job is to blend with those four people. And then your job is to blend with the other 18 people playing B-flat clarinet. And then your job is as a section to be the B-flat clarinet section of the Marine Band. 
That is all just not a thing in an orchestra. Every single wind player is a soloist. Right. You're more like a string player. <laughs> yes, so. very much so. Yeah. Like Leslie said, though, it really keeps you on your toes. You're constantly learning to listen at different levels. And in the B-flat clarinet section, everyone plays every part. We all rotate around. So it's not like you get into the Marine Band and you just play third clarinet for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're playing solo clarinet. Sometimes you're assistant principal. Sometimes you're thrown over onto bass clarinet, if that's one of your skills, et cetera, et cetera. And another very, very unique thing about the Marine Band is any member of the Marine Band can solo with the ensemble. As just a regular clarinet section member, I have played orchestral concertos with the Marine Chamber Orchestra three times. Wow. And with the band two or three times. That's an amazing opportunity yeah. that most orchestral players never get. Well, this has been really great to get this inside peek into what it's like in your <laughs> job, because obviously it's different than every other job and certainly different than anything we've talked about on this program. So first, I want to thank you both so much for your service, because we can't have a military without all of the parts and the people that really sacrifice their lives in a lot of ways and help our nation. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for joining us today on the Cello Sherpa podcast. Joel, thank you so much for having us. It's really an honor to be here. And I appreciate you showing the attention to the bands that sometimes we feel like we miss. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I'd like to say thank you also I would like to encourage any young musicians out there to take a good hard look at the President's Own and the other premier bands. When you're graduating from music school, consider taking one of our auditions. It's a really unique way to serve your country and also to fulfill your musical dreams. Thank you for allowing us this platform. Semper Fi. Thank you so much to Michelle and Leslie for joining us today and sharing their stories with us. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Cello Sherpa podcast. For more information on Michelle and Leslie and any of the links we spoke about today, check out our show notes by scrolling down on the episode. Be sure and catch our next episode where we interview cellist Ofra Harnoy. This episode will come out in one week on November 17th. We talk about her incredible journey from studying with some of the most preeminent cellists of our time to performing on five continents and recording nearly 50 solo albums. We're here to serve you, so if you have questions or topic suggestions you would like us to cover in future episodes, please use the contact page on our website, thecellosherpa.com. You will also find information about the specific services we offer on the website. Don't forget to follow us and rate us on whatever platform you get your podcasts. This helps us climb the rankings so other people can find us. Today's episode was edited by Eric Begay at Red House Productions and produced and recorded by me, Joel Dallow.